listening to the Indie Echo Podcast, a showcase of independent music and the artists that make it. I'm Jordan, producer at High Five Music. Charlotte, North Carolina is home to the Panthers, the NASCAR Hall of Fame, and today's guest, singer-songwriter Kevin Goodwin. I'm diving in. I've been uh, as close to born and raised in Charlotte as you can be. I uh, moved here when I was six from Tampa, Florida, but um, stayed in temporary housing for a banking family because my dad worked in banking. And uh, eventually, now that I'm an adult, moved right back into the same complexes uh, that are now condos. So kind of came full circle. I uh, started playing piano when I was about seven. And I uh, started because my grandmother bought my family a baby grand piano, a Wurlitzer. And no one in my family was really musically inclined. So it kind of just sat around. My mother would play from time to time. But uh, my dad, one night, was going around seeing his best rendition of uh, Bill Withers, Lean On Me. And after hearing that, I sat down at the piano, kind of fiddled around, and within a couple of minutes was playing the whole song. And that was just something that really connected with me in a way that nothing ever had before. So from that point on, I was pretty addicted to playing and just the piano in general. So you play by ear? I do. Yeah, I, I do both, though. I've had to learn a lot because I teach piano and vocal lessons, too. So I had to learn how to read pretty well and understand a lot of theory. And I did eventually take lessons myself. But in the beginning, I was like like a lot of kids who probably have you know, can can play by ear. I know that because my students are the same way sometimes. You get you get very like full of it and you're like, oh, I, I know how to play. I can just hear the song and sit down and figure it out. But <laughs> but I was really glad I did eventually learn the theory and the other facets of it, like sight reading and stuff like that, because that's all it helps you grow as a musician eventually. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I haven't made it that far yet. I, I still play by ear, but I do want to, you know, train more just to get that in me it's always good to do that it's hard though because when you when you can do that it's like you know because it's also fun to play by ear because it's mm. it's kind of like putting a puzzle together because you got to sit down and figure it out and be like is that the right note is this the right chord so especially me who started on drums like drums unless you're in a marching band you really don't need notes or yeah if you can keep rhythm you can keep rhythm i'm the oldest of three so i was the uh golden child growing up as as happens when you're the oldest but um and now now my parents probably totally rethink that because i'm a musician no No, they're uh they're awesome they've always been really supportive but um it's interesting because my brother and sister never uh my younger brother and younger sister never picked up music really my sister played a little bit guitar and sang a little bit but it was a very short-lived kind of thing and so uh, i was really the only one in my family that ever played or was musically inclined but they've all been super supportive. So I'm, I'm lucky to have the support of all four of them. So I think the basis of my kind of influences early on were people like Elton John and Queen and Journey because that's what my parents listened to a lot. But then as I started getting older into the early 2000s, I think my musical taste was a lot more definitely diverse. And it got to the point where I was listening to a lot of like punk rock, kind of soft stuff like Green Day, My Chemical Romance, Nothing too hardcore, but um, that kind of stuff mixed in with a lot of that early 2000s pop rock, which was like The Fray, Matchbox 20, One Republic, Goo Goo Dolls, all those people. Those were the people that I really 
kind of drifted towards musically. And I hear a lot of that on your EP, Art of the City. Thanks, man. I'm glad. I'm glad. If I had maybe been born like a decade or two earlier, <laughs> that would have been my sweet spot because I'm writing the songs that are that sound kind of like that. So I'm hoping there's still an audience for that. When I was growing up, like you were saying, you'd always listen to you know, what your parents listened to. Right. But for me, it was a little different because we had these these videotapes of my dad's band playing. <laughs> and so I would watch those over and over again. So it was all, you know, like the top 40 stuff you would know from you know, the 70s, 80s, 90s. I really got into Love Shack. That was my like, that was my jam as a kid in diapers, you know? It's still a jam. Oh yeah, yeah. How did you get into writing music specifically? So after learning how to play by ear for a couple of years, I actually decided I wanted to start doing uh, piano lessons. So I asked my parents, I was like, hey, would you guys get me classes so I could learn from a teacher and try to learn how to read and understand theory because I did want to learn those things. So they got me this really great teacher and I had who kind of became a life mentor really to me. He used to put on piano recitals for his students and one year when I was about 10 or 11 I had written a song, just an instrumental song because I was way too self-conscious to sing at that point in my life. I asked him, I said, can I play this original piece I wrote? And he was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So I got up and played it at the uh, recital and the reception to it was so crazy to me because a lot of the other kids' parents were coming up to me after and saying how much they enjoyed it and the things it reminded them of. And that was very kind of overwhelming emotionally for me as a 10-year-old that a song I'd written without even any lyrics kind of connected with people who I didn't know. That was really exciting to me. and. Uh, that moment really sparked in me the need and the want to write more. And uh, I've just been writing ever since then and trying to hone it and get better and better as much as I can. So always solo or did you have a band or anything? Always been solo, but I do have a band that plays live shows with me. And uh, on the record, there is definitely <laughs> a ton of other musicians. My band usually uh, plays on the records with me. So a lot of the songs we bring in, I have a great guitarist and bassist and drummer. And then my uh, producer, Chris will uh, play on the songs a lot as well. He does a lot of the string and orchestral stuff. Have you considered writing for others, like as a songwriter? I have actually. Um, it's something that I used to never think about because I uh, I would write these songs and they were so specific and they still are when I write songs and put them out under my, uh, my name. They're very, very autobiographical. Everything uh, in the songs has happened to me or was in some capacity a very real thing that happened in my life. And so I've never written from the perspective of somebody else or <laughs> taken it in a direction that was fictional. It's always been 100% real and uh, authentic, but I'd love to do that and experiment with what it would be like to write for someone else and uh, kind of write about an experience that wasn't my own because I think that would be such a cool thing. There's a lot of artists that I really admire who write their own music, but then they write music for other people and it comes out awesome. Do you know Justin Bieber's Love Yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So that was quite literally an Ed Sheeran song that he gave to Justin because he thought it was like too mean or something like that. <laughs> wow, I never knew that. Yeah, so, so it could be the things that are still you, but like maybe not quite your artist, if that makes sense. Right, it's not the it's not the persona that you feel about yourself. And that's the thing, everything I've I've written and put out so far has been very consistent with who I am as a person, but I think it would be really fun and exciting to kind of almost like an actor step into somebody else's feelings and someone else's position and write about that because that to me is a really exciting idea. 
Was This Is How It Starts your first release? It was, yeah. That was my uh, very first professional release anyways. I'd done some uh, <laughs> home recording stuff that was not up to par at all with the uh, kind of production that I'm doing now. But I had done stuff like that prior. But that was my first real release. And so how did Heart of the City come about? So uh, I definitely had wanted to do a follow-up EP after releasing This Is How It Starts. I was fortunate enough to have uh, a couple of people listen to it, which was really cool. (laughs) Because I think you never know when you're an artist putting something out for the first time. You're like, I hope somebody likes this and listens to it. But uh, I wasn't sure. And there there were people, and that was really exciting that people were receiving the songs well and really listening to them. So I started writing more and also pulling out some older songs that I never had released before and uh, decided to put out Just Tonight as a single, which is one of the songs off of Heart of the City, and then Diving In, which is another song off of Heart of the City. And after that, I just kind of whipped three more together and uh, put it all together and thought, you know, I want to put out a second EP. It's been about two years, so I was like, this is this feels like the right time. Just Tonight is fun because it starts as the ballad, and then in the last 30 seconds, it just kind of explodes into <laughs> You know, like double time drums and everything. Yeah, that's a really fun one to play live because people don't uh, don't see that coming with the time change and the tempo change and everything. That song in particular is about having a uh, one night stand and kind of knowing that it's not going anywhere, that it's not going to have this deeper meaning, but kind of trying to trick yourself in thinking it is, or, you know, if you're knowing it the whole time, <laughs> hoping that it's going to be more than that. And I think a lot of the lyrics kind of reflect that. And it is kind of, I think that's in a lot of my songs, the way that I do end up kind of having a conversation with myself, because it is a lot of lyrics where I am kind of telling it to myself as if I need to hear it. Sometimes songs can be really difficult to write, and other times they feel like they just kind of come out of nowhere for me. And I feel like it's a gift I'm just getting. And I'm like, okay, I got this melody in my head and I go write it out. Sometimes it comes incredibly easy and other times it's a lot of work to find the right lyrics, the right chords, things like that. But I think the hardest part for me usually as an artist is the uh, recording process because I'm somebody who gets in my head a lot. <laughs> so it's, it's hard to go in and try to have this attitude of like, oh, no pressure, no stress. And uh, my producer is really great about making it a cool atmosphere But at the same time, I go in a lot of times and I overthink everything. So it's just for me, when I'm recording it and producing it, just trying to let go a little bit and be like, just feel the song, just let yourself be in the song and in the moment. And uh, just getting myself in the right headspace like that is the hardest part for me. What I like about your music is that even though these releases are, you know, fully produced with a band and everything, you can tell that they were written like at a piano or with guitar or something, like the songwriting is just really on point. Was that important to you to get across? No, actually, and this is the first time anyone's ever told me that, but I love that. I'm really glad that that's that's how it came off to you. It is something that I think because the instrument that I play, which is either piano or ukulele on the songs, is usually at the forefront. That's probably why it has that kind of flavor to it, is probably just because it is, that is literally how I write all of them. It's me sitting at a piano or ukulele by myself. structuring it out the song usually it has to be good enough on its own you know with just piano or just ukulele that i think at the end of the day oh that's a really 
that's a really catchy melody that's I really like those lyrics it has to really resonate with me just in the very acoustic format like that yeah to even make it to the uh, point where I would bring in the band and produce it heavily like that I do want to ask you about I won't stop with the, the ukulele is that a glockenspiel you have? It is, yep. It's a little... <laughs> okay. It was kind of like a patch. It wasn't a real glockenspiel. I just played it on piano, but, you know, it's it's glockenspiel sound. Yeah, I love glockenspiel sounds. I put them in a lot of my work as well. Cool, cool. Did you come to your producer with your song on ukulele but, like, have at it? Yep, basically. I just came, you know, that's how I come in with the, with the piano or ukulele, depending on the song, and I'll put it down with the piano and ukulele and then we'll kind of build from there that's always the very first thing that we do and on that one in particular there was a lot of uh, cool ideas that my producer had that he came up with where he was like oh i think we should have kind of an organ sound in the background and he did a lot of like snaps that he would (laughs) put in as kind of the drum beat you know cutting and pasting those all together and doing a lot of things like that sometimes we'll try things out and be like what if we put strings here what if we put some horns here it's kind of just trial and error of what does what feels like it's right with the song and what feels like it's right with everything else that is there so far. Another thing I like about the EP is that each song is very distinct. And so was that intentional in terms of not having two songs that sound almost exactly the same? Yeah, that definitely is intentional. That's something that I've always wanted to do as an artist. It's when I make a collection of songs like a record, I definitely want it to be something that hopefully holds people's attention throughout the entire <laughs> throughout the entire length of that album and uh, doesn't have any dull moments or any anything too repetitive. I like to have things that tell stories in completely different ways and completely different emotions. So I, I try to really mix it up with, you know, this song is kind of jazzy and that song's really upbeat. It's got a lot more guitar. This one's really sad and down tempo and it's very piano driven. And I definitely purposely pick songs that <laughs> are very different so I can group them together and then have a whole work that kind of feels like a story. That's how I want it to feel. I want it to feel like a movie when I have a record. Basically, it's got a beginning, which is very different from the middle, which is very different from the end. So that's definitely intentional. I love that about it. Like, I I won't stop. It's very wholesome. (laughs) Definitely is. Lighthearted and wholesome. And then you end on Heart on the Door, which is a very heartfelt piano ballad. And uh, I appreciate both because they're, you know, the juxtaposition. Can you promise me that when you leave, you leave my heart? on the door Cause I just can't stay with you in a suitcase Even if it's not mine anymore City Lights, that jazzy rock sound is just so cool to me and it sounds very city if that makes sense, you know? Were you channeling like New York or something? Like I'm glad because that's, that's what I was going for I was actually channeling uh, Charlotte. So that song was written about Charlotte, downtown Charlotte, where I currently live. And uh, yeah, that was just one that it, that one wrote itself very quickly because when I came up with that chord progression, that's like you said, it felt very city. (laughs) So I knew immediately when I was playing with that, I knew exactly that that song was gonna be about 
Charlotte and about the city. So that one, I did feel, and I'm glad it came off musically that way, but that one yeah. really, really felt to me like you were downtown somewhere in a really large city. I want to see those city lights the skyline every time I walk out nights or at night I want to feel the rush the city I love on the street the city air it tastes so sweet jazzed it up was the way we had our guitar player set his tone and also we had a we had an actual uh, horn player come in and play trumpet on that song so i think i think it was kind of an amalgamation of the chords and then the way that we produced it really trying to get that sound and get that feeling that you know kind of can transport you to feeling like you're at that place have you considered doing collaborations with other producers or other artists and things like that Absolutely. In fact, some of the songs that I have that I want to release soon are songs that I would love to do as duets. And I've got a, a couple of artists on a short list, which is <laughs> very wishful thinking for me of uh, people who I could maybe rope into doing the song with me because I am a really big fan of their music and love their voices. I'm somebody who is 100% open to doing different things, trying new things, and especially, and this kind of goes back to the songs being different on the record. I want to be an artist who is always trying new things and branching out and not stuck in one. I don't want to be stuck in one genre or one exact place. I want to be able to do different things, be versatile and write different kinds of music for different kinds of moods and different kinds of people. I definitely feel that because um, one of the producers that like really got me into making music myself, BT, He's primarily known for electronic music, but he's done film scores. And the album that I, I think grabbed me the most, he would have a dance track and then a pop song and then a rock song and then an acoustic ballad. Then it would go back to dance and it was just all over the place, but it all felt cohesive. So I definitely appreciate the evolution in an artist's career, whether album to album or even song to song like you've done so far. Thank you. And yeah, I totally agree with that because I have a lot of artists that I feel the same way about where you know, growing up, you hear, sometimes you hear them and then you hear another song. And you're like, oh, who's this by? And then you're like, oh my gosh, that's the same person. <laughs> and I love having a moment like that because it's like, wow, that's so different. But that's how life is. You know, people are like that. We're so different and multifaceted. And so I don't see why uh, music shouldn't kind of reflect that in a lot of ways. Have you ever visited, you know, Nashville or New Orleans or something like that? Absolutely. I've actually visited uh, both of those places and loved both of them, especially Nashville. Nashville was a really cool town to be in. And uh, I got to play at the Bluebird Cafe at a songwriter's night there, which was really exciting for me as, a, as kind of a young adult. I think I might have been 18 or 19 at the time, something like that. Okay. Your first gigs, were they nerve wracking? I don't think stage fright is the appropriate word because I wasn't like terrified of getting up on stage, but I definitely was not comfortable being on stage at first, especially singing. Singing something that came into the picture later for me because I was very comfortable playing piano. I've been doing that since seven, but singing was not something I actually started going out and doing in front of people until I was about 14 or 15. And so that took a lot more time to get used to. I also was not as talented at singing, so I had to work a lot harder at singing to actually become decent and not sound bad. So I, I was aware of that, luckily. 
I didn't know that, but I knew I was going to have to work hard and really get comfortable being on stage and singing in front of people. So that was definitely a long journey to get to the point where it became comfortable and where now I really enjoy it and look forward to doing it. And now you teach singing. I do. Yeah, I teach singing and yeah. Oh, you should come out with your own uh, online masterclass or something. <laughs> that does seem to be the thing that's happening now. I see every artist like Charlie Puth, songwriting masterclass, Justin Bieber, fashion masterclass. It's like all these all these things that people are doing now. I think Ryan Tedder had a similar one. He's actually one that I look up to a lot, Ryan Tedder, because of uh, the fact that he's written for so many people. His, uh, his song credits are ridiculous. You know, he's written... Obviously, all the songs for One Republic for the most part. And then on top of that, he's written for people like Adele and a ton of other artists. And his his name is just everywhere as far as song credits go. So I have a lot of respect for him. And also just well, anyone who really writes their own music is a big influence on me because that's the way I've always done it. And I always look up to the people who, when you look at their music, it's just one name on the page. It's not, you know, six or 17 people because some, especially in pop music nowadays, you look at a song and if you're really looking at the music, the credits have like 10 people's names attached to it. But I really resonate more with the people who write songs that were just them, which is like Sarah Bareilles and John Mayer and artists like that, that I really love their music. And I think part of that is that you can feel that it's authentic a lot of times because it's just them. <laughs> It's just one person who wrote everything, and that's how I've always wanted to keep it, for the most part, with my releases. Somebody that I was really influenced by a lot, especially the ukulele songs, which is funny because I'm sure you can't hear it, but is Bon Iver. I really like Bon Iver's music a lot, especially his first record and follow-up record. Those two, For Emma Forever Ago, is a record that I just love to listen to. But also bands in the indie genre really influenced me a lot as well, like Death Cab for Cutie. Even though they're still relevant now, they I guess they're kind of an older band, but I got into them when I was in high school and they were always really, really big influence from that point on. Still hoping for that second Postal Service record at some point. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll see. We'll see if that ever happens. I don't like know. every couple of years is a rumor of it coming back. But, uh... It's like when My Chemical Romance got back together. I feel it was like people were thinking it was going to happen for years and it just didn't happen and didn't happen. But maybe they, maybe it will. Maybe they will come out with a follow-up one day. Yeah. What about Guilty Pleasures? What's a Guilty Pleasure song of yours right now? You know the song Mood? <laughs> yep. That'll pop in my head every now and then. Cool. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, you know, older guilty pleasures. Like going back to um, when I was in the UK, back in the States, clubs are like, this is either a hip hop club or it's a electronic club or it's, you know, a place with a band. It's not anything else. It's either that or that. Right. But in the UK, it's like, okay, we got our dance room. We got our hip hop room. And then they have the cheesy pop room. Oh, I would be cheesy pop room all day. Absolutely. It's all the, you know, the hits of the late 90s and the early 2000s and everyone's just dancing with their friends in a circle and, and belting all the... So those are all my guilty pleasures as well. Yeah. yeah, I don't go to clubs usually, but the one that I do go to a lot with my friends in Charlotte is called the Roxbury. And it's like an 80s and 90s only bar and dance club. And like they only play like, you know, <laughs> the old school rap. And they'll play like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and John Bon Jovi and Madonna and stuff like that. And that's where I love to hang out because that place is super fun. And I'm into all that music. So for me, like if I'm going to be at a club, that's the kind of music I want to dance to. Yeah. So what about you? Guilty Pleasures, what's in your head right now? Oh, man. Uh, lately, it's been uh, Levitating by Dua Lipa. Okay. Very good choice. That one I've, been, I've been into it. I, I didn't want to be into it, but I can't really help <laughs> it. I just think it's so cashy. <laughs> 
Do you know the the podcast Song Exploder? Yes. I haven't listened to that one a whole lot, but I do know it. They, I think they did one. I think it was Levitating they did. Well, I may have to check out that one now because that's my that's my current guilty pleasure. So Yeah. It, I think it was one of those songs you hear about that was like, you know, we just kind of went in and came out with the song. <laughs> you know, <laughs> If only we're always that easy. Yeah. It's crazy to me when you hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you hear stories about that. Like I, I remember hearing uh, about Green Day, the song Time of Your Life, that they went in and they like, the, the producer was just like, uh, go sit outside for 30 minutes. And he like just wrote the string part and it's all like on a keyboard or something. Like there's no real violence on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like very famous bridge part, which is just strings, is like all something he came up with in like 15 to 30 minutes, which you hear stuff like that. And I'm like, man, I can't believe that happened. My producer told me another thing that Bill Collins, when he did that in the Air Tonight song, when he does the drum fill, that's like that really famous that was just like him playing around out in the hallway on drums and he didn't know they were recording it they just left it on on accident or something and then they put that in the song (laughs) that was never even supposed to be a part of the song which is like the part that everyone does yeah happy accident yeah i just uh more than anything want music to uh make people feel less alone and feel like they uh can relate to it and for it to be a soundtrack to their life because that's that's what music's always been to me I just hope that it connects with people, even if that's on an individual song basis. It's been this constant thing that is there, no matter, you know, no matter what part of your life you're in, it could be bad, it could be good. There is a song I think that a lot of us can kind of go back to or an album or an artist. And we associate that time in our life with that artist or with that song or with that record. And that's, uh, that's what I want my music to do for people because that's what music has done for me. Links to Kevin's music and everything else can be found in the show notes, including the Indie Echo Spotify playlist, where you can hear music from all the guests featured on the show. If you're on Apple Podcasts, if you could please rate the show five stars, it would really help us gain exposure. Indie Echo is a product of High Five Music, an online production studio that brings your bedroom demos to life. To be featured or request an artist, use the contact form link on my Instagram, at High Five Music. And you can follow the show at Indie Echo Podcast. Thank you for listening. 